Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Now here on the Lead On Podcast, I uh, try to stay away from preaching, and I also uh, try to stay away from, you know, uh, in-depth Bible study. I think there's a place for both of those, and man, I enjoy both, but uh, there's a lot of podcasts out there that are going down those paths, and so I try to veer away from that and talk more uh, about uh, practical issues, uh, down-to-earth issues, you know, pl- issues like uh, where th- about where the rubber meets the road in ministry, so to speak, and that's what I'm going to try to do again today. But today, uh, I am going to use a passage of Scripture uh, that will help me to structure what I want to say and give you some, uh, some biblical background, if you will, uh, on what I'm saying and why I've come to some conclusions I've reached. Now today, I want to talk with you about uh, this theme, myths about difficult ministry. Myths about difficult ministry. When I first uh, left pastoral ministry and went to work for the Northwest Baptist Convention, I started traveling around and meeting with pastors one-on-one, asking them to tell me about their work, tell me about how things were going. And I found a common theme in those first few months that uh, really now after 35 years of traveling around meeting with pastors, I continue to hear. But when I first started talking with pastors, I would say, you know, how, how are things going or what's your work like where you are? And they would always start out with the same, with the same phrasing. They would say something like this, well, you know, it, it's different here, and uh, it's, it's hard here, it's difficult here, there, there's some challenges here. Now, their perspective, because, you know, they worked in one location, one church, one ministry, their perspective was that that was unique. Now, when I first started hearing these stories, frankly, I didn't pick up on the pattern, but after a few weeks of them, I started thinking, man, every time I ask this question, I get the same answer. So when I ask, how's it going, or what's your work like, the answer is, well, you know, it's different here. Uh, There are some challenges. There's some difficulty. Uh, There's some hard things about here that are unique. Well, frankly, they they aren't that unique. Uh, There may be some particular twists on the hardship or difficulty or challenges of ministry that are in a particular location, but the fact of the matter is, Ministry has some difficulty built into the process, and it's that way everywhere. So the first myth about difficulty in ministry is that it's difficult some places, but it's easy other places. So wherever you are this morning, if I were to ask you the question, um, how's it going, or tell me about your work, you'd most likely say, well, it's, it's difficult here, or there's some challenges here, or well, there's some hard things about what I'm facing. And that would be perfectly normal. Perfectly normal. Now, we seem to suffer from, from a kind of spiritual self-esteem that causes us to think that we're the only ones that must have difficulty or hardship or challenges doing the ministry that we've been assigned. That as we look around at other people who seem to have it together better than us and seem to be enjoying more success than us, we think, well, um, something must be wrong with me. Because my ministry's hard. It's got some real challenges. Well, there's nothing wrong with you. You're perfectly normal. Ministry is challenging. And it's challenging for everyone, and it's challenging everywhere. Now, if you've gotten past that hurdle, then another part of this same myth is, well, uh, my ministry's hard because of the place where I'm doing it, or the circumstances I find myself in, or the church or the organization where I work. 
And quite frankly, that's not true either. Uh, every church, ministry setting, or ministry organization has difficulties attached to it and has some challenges that come along with it. So the first myth today that I want to debunk is this. Ministry is difficult some places, and ministry is difficult for some people. I want to help you understand the reality, and that is ministry is difficult for everyone. And every place of ministry has its own built-in difficulties and hardships and challenges. Now, in the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, uh, Paul is writing about his ministry to the Thessalonians, and he's describing for them uh, how it started and how it continued and what a challenge it was to accomplish it. Listen to what he wrote. He said, For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. Now, that's a kind of a tepid translation. It really means our visit with you was not futile. Our, our visit with you was not without, uh, uh, without meaning or without accomplishment. Uh, our visit for you was not in vain. Paul's saying, we came to you, and uh, what we got done there really mattered. It made a difference. It, it wasn't futile. It wasn't uh, in vain. It was fulfilling and meaningful and accomplished something. But then read on. He says, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, now, that's an interesting phrasing. In Acts 16, 11 through 40, you can read the story of Paul's ministry in Philippi just before he went to, Thess- to Thessalonica. And his ministry in Philippi was difficult, very challenging, lots of turmoil. And then what does he say? So because of that, or after that, we were emboldened by God to speak the gospel of God to you. In other words, Paul said, we came out of one difficult, hard, challenging situation But because of how we had lived through that one, we were emboldened to come to Thessalonica and try to do the same thing all over again. So if you think, well, my ministry is difficult or hard or challenging, and therefore it's a signal that I should quit or move on to a less challenging place. No, Paul said the exact opposite. He said, when we were in Philippi, it was tough. It was a tough deal. And that emboldened us. It gave us more courage, more boldness, more strength to go to the next hard place and take on the challenge there. And then he writes, when we arrived in Thessalonica, he said, to speak the gospel to you, we did so at the end of verse 2, in spite of great opposition. The word opposition is the word that can be translated agony. So Paul said, we came to you in great agony in the ministry that we accomplished among you. So Paul's saying from this passage that he went to Philippi, had all kinds of difficulty, turmoil, trial, challenge, hardship, and because of that, he was emboldened to go on to to Thessalonica and do the same thing all over again, so much so that when he got to the second place, he described it as a place of agony, of real opposition. Now, Paul is simply saying that successful ministry ministry that lasts, ministry that makes a difference, ministry that is sustained over a long period of time, often begins with great difficulty. Now, uh, when I first planted our church in Oregon, the Home Mission Board at the time was trying to pioneer some new approaches to church planting. And so one of the things they did was hired a telemarketing company to come into our community and call 10,000 phone numbers and and ask those people about their receptivity to the gospel and their openness to a new church being planted in their community. Now, they had a series of questions that uh, helped to sort out uh, those two issues. And so uh, in the time from when we left 
Missouri to move to Oregon, and the, and the time that we got established in Oregon, that's when the phone call surveying was done. Now, it was a little late in the game for, for us in some ways because we were already moving, but nevertheless, we were willing to take advantage of this opportunity as sort of a test market, if you will, of whether this could be helpful in church planting. So we moved to Oregon while this marketing project was going on. We got to Oregon, bought houses, got our lives established, and a few weeks later, uh, the project was concluded, and the director said uh, wanted, he wanted to meet with us and give us the results. So we arranged that meeting, and my church planting partner and I uh, sat down, and he said this first question. Fellas, uh, how deeply committed are you to doing this? Wow. That was a tough question. How deeply are we committed to doing this? We could tell by the way he asked the question that what he was about to say was not going to be good news. And so I said, well, we're pretty deeply committed. We've already moved here, already bought homes, um, already started building relationships. Uh, we're, we're pretty well committed. And then he said, well, based on our survey of 10,000 homes in your area, I would, can tell you these two things. Number one, there is virtually no receptivity to the gospel, and there is no interest in starting a new church in this community. And if I were you guys, I would move on to someplace else and start a church where there's a lot more receptivity. Well, you can imagine, this was devastating for us to hear this, this survey report. But my friend and I that were planning the church decided that night that uh, we would not disclose that to anyone else outside that room. We believed God had called us there. We had processed on that call for months. We had established our lives and were committed to the task. And because we'd been faced with this pretty bleak picture up front and been told that it was going to be a difficult and challenging process, we didn't necessarily that meant, mean that we could abandon uh, our post or move away from what we had committed to do. We felt instead that we had to understand how hard it was going to be and then make the long-term commitment to getting that done. Well, uh, we, we started the church a few months later, and it was hard. It was really hard. Uh, we were, as we like to say, felt like we were trying to chimp, chip a flint out of concrete. I mean, it was, it was tough going. And early on, we put ourselves on a very aggressive uh, phase-down campaign so that our financial support from our denomination and other partners was only going to last us about 30 months. And because of that, we knew that we had to have the resources coming in from our church to, uh, to offset those diminishing outside support checks. Well, that turned out to be a good thing because it drove us to evangelize and disciple people related to their wealth and to help people understand that they had to take personal responsibility for our church financially. But it was always difficult, especially the first few years. Every month on the last Wednesday night of the month, I would meet with our church treasurer. His name was Bernie. Uh, and I would go through the bills with him and we would hold each other accountable for making sure everything was done properly and appropriately. And as a pastor, as a church planning pastor, of course, I had a lot of input on the church finances because I was having to watch every nickel to make sure that we were able to survive those early years. And uh, on a number of occasions, on a number of occasions, I would write out my tithe check and hand it to the church treasurer so that he could deposit it so that I could then cash my paycheck. That's how close things were financially. Now, uh, I just tell you these two stories to underscore that now 30 years later, 
Uh, we look at a church there that's in a beautiful location with a uh, wonderful campus that has over a million dollar budget and a wonderful staff of leaders and full programming and all the things that go on there that are strong about the church today. Uh, if you don't know the full story, you would think, oh, this was a you know easy place to come, and they got started in a really special way, and uh, they, you know they, they, it was it was just a, a wonderful uh, success from the beginning. But that's just really not the case. You know, ministry often starts with real challenges, real difficulties, but that doesn't mean a successful ministry can't ultimately result. Now you say, well, fast forward to today. Well, you'd say, yeah, but look at you today, Jeff. You're at the seminary. You've got a really successful ministry there. You've got lots of money and big buildings and lots of employees. And man, I, I just wish I had a job that, looked at, that's, that was as easy as yours. Well, uh, I wish I could say my uh, situation has changed. After all these years of ministry, uh, on my desk right now are some really difficult challenges. Uh, challenges about finances, about personnel, about future direction, uh, and challenges about how to make decisions for the long-term best interest of the training of people all around the West and really now around the world. The difficulties and challenges have never gone away. So uh, the myth that some ministry uh, is easy and some ministry has difficulty, that that myth just needs to go away. Uh, the, the reality is that, that all ministry has difficulty associated with it. All ministry has hard times. All ministry has challenges. And if you're in a ministry that has those things, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Uh, you're not subspiritual. You're not weak in your faith. You're not, in, uh, you're not in, unskilled in your abilities. You're just in a difficult ministry sitting like everyone else is. And if you're in a, one of those situations right now and you're thinking, well, it must be something wrong with my situation, uh, my church, my organization, my community, something's got to be wrong with that. Well, no, nothing's wrong there either. Uh, every ministry, every church, and every situation comes with its own unique set of ministry difficulties. So let's shatter the first myth. The first myth is ministry is easy in some places and for some people. And the reality is uh, ministry is just hard. It always comes with some difficulty, some hardship, and some challenge, no matter who we are or where we serve. Now, you might be getting depressed about now, but that leads us to the second myth. The second myth is that uh, because ministry is difficult, it's always negative, it's always hard, it's always depressing. And that's simply not the case either. And I want to show you uh, an illustration from this same passage of Scripture that will help you to understand what I mean. If you drop down in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 to verse 8, you see this phrase. Paul said, We cared so much for you, Excuse me, verse 7. Although we could not have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead, or we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead, we were gentle among you as a nurse nurtures her own children. Now, that phrase uh, is literally translated as a nursing one nurtures her own children. And I think it's not pressing it too far to say it's a nursing mother. So this first illustration of what it means to be involved in ministry is the nursing mother illustration. Now, read the next few verses. He says, We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters, working night and day so that we would not burden any of you. We preached God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, 
of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves among you believers. Now notice the, the, the stridency of the language. Paul said, we cared so much for you. We shared with you not only the gospel, but our own lives. You became dear to us. Uh, you remember our labor and hardship, working night and day. You are our witnesses, it says, and so is God, of how devoutly and righteously and blamelessly we conducted ourselves. Do you hear the intensity in all these words? Now, with that context, notice the last illustration, verse 11. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged and comforted and implored each one of you to live life, to live worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Notice the last illustration about this kind of ministry leadership is about fathering. So I want you to see sort of the sandwich, if you will, of this passage. Paul starts out by saying, ministry among you was like a mother nursing her children, and many ministry among you was like a father caring for his children. And in the middle, all of this strident, aggressive language is used to describe the process of doing ministry. So uh, this illustration of parenting of a mom and a dad is, the great, is a great illustration of the mixed bag of ministry, meaning it has some difficulty, some hardship, some challenge, but it also comes with it joy, satisfaction, pleasure, and just the, the, uh, the uh, uh, elation that comes from seeing the good things that happen as a result of our parenting. Now, I love this parenting analogy because it resonates with me personally, and it really helps me to understand uh, what ministry is really like in terms of the difficulty and the pleasure of it all interwoven. Now, I, I'm a parent of three children. They're all adults now. Two of them are married and have their own children. So I'm sort of in that uh, phase of looking back on my parenting years and thinking about what they were like, certainly not actively engaged in parenting any longer. But for around 20 years, my wife and I devoted ourselves wholeheartedly to being parents. You know, I, I didn't travel very much I, and speak. I, I stayed home and worked hard as a dad. I coached Little League and involved myself in girls' basketball and went to gymnastics meets and drove my children to speech tournaments and all kinds of school contests and school activities. I stayed up all night at the youth lock-in at church on more than one occasion. I mean, we did all of that kind of thing. And as parents, we had some really difficult times, you know, with children, uh, rebellious times, times of questioning their faith, uh, times when they disappointed us, when they made poor decisions, uh, just all kinds of challenges that went along with those issues. Um, one of my children had a pretty serious illness for a while, and we had to get, deal with all of the uncertainty surrounding that. Um, all of the issues that went on with parenting that made, made it a challenging, difficult uh, time in our lives. But also, on the other hand, or on the other side, uh, all of that hard work that we poured into our children was worth it because they also brought us great joy. Uh, they said some of the funniest things that made us just roar with laughter. Uh, sometimes they would do things that we would have to look sternly at them and then go in our bedroom and just fall in each other's arms laughing because the children were doing something that we found so humorous, but we couldn't let them know we thought it was funny. And then there were times when our children made us so proud. 
when they won contests or when they competed in sporting events, and even when they didn't win, they gave it their all. And, uh, and then moments when they did things in ministry that uh, showed us that they were starting to really understand what it meant to be Christian and to live that Christian faith out in a meaningful way. And times of personal kindness where we saw them do things for their siblings or for their friends that, that really made a difference. Um, man, parenting is a, is, is a jumbled up, mixed bag of both difficulty and challenge and hardship, at, while at the same time, it's, a, it's elation and satisfaction and joy and pleasure and laughter. Parenting is a mixed bag. It's all of that wrapped up together. And I think that's why Paul chose uh, the parenting analogy or the parenting illustration to talk about this issue of dealing with difficulty in ministry. Because the myth about difficulty in ministry is that ministry is all difficulty. It's all hardship. It's all challenge. It's not. It's also joy and elation and satisfaction and, and, and uh, uh, the pleasure that comes from seeing lives changed and seeing people do things that really reflect their Christian values and commitment and show the results of our impact in their lives. And so uh, if you're going through one of those times where it is difficult or challenging or hard, I'd ask you to take a giant step back and look for some perspective. Look around at some of the good things that's happen- that are happening around you. Look around at some of the success and the progress and the development that you've had as a ministry and then understand that it's always going to be this mixed bag of feelings about how you're doing things in ministry leadership. And so if the first myth is ministry is easy somewhere, then the second myth is ministry is always hard everywhere. Uh, it's just not. It's just like parenting. We pour our heart and soul into it using this strong language like Paul used in these middle, middle verses between 7 and 10 or 11. But in the back bracketing of all of that language about how challenging and how much we pour our hearts into it and how hard we work at it is this beautiful illustration of parenting. And we remember that ministry is like that. It has some difficult, challenging, hard things, but it also has some pleasureful, some uh, some pleasure-filled, elation moments of joy that give us a satisfaction of what we're able to accomplish. And I would also add to that that I love the parenting analogy for another reason, and that is uh, that the results come slowly, and the results often aren't achieved until you see the person or the group that you're working with come to some maturity over time. You know, uh, we were parents for about 20 years, and for a lot of those years, it seemed like we were pouring into our kids and not getting much back. But then, as they got to a, a later teen years and adulthood, all the work we'd poured into them came to fruition. And so, it's like that a lot in ministry. You pour a lot into people for a long time before you finally start seeing the results that you'd hoped for. And so, parenting is a good analogy for ministry on a number of levels. Well, let me just wrap it up with uh, maybe one more myth. And that is, uh, a last myth is that ministry, uh, that, that doing ministry uh, results uh, in accomplishments uh, more than, uh, uh, that it results in accomplishments or achievements more than in the lives of people. Uh, maybe I didn't say that very well. Let me say it a different way. Uh, it's a myth if you think you're going to build an empire. What you're really doing is building people. Uh, it's really not about ministry success. It's really not about uh, buildings and writing books or even preaching sermons or leading studies. Uh, ministry is not, not about accumulating followers on social media or getting accolades from people for what you might do publicly. Really, 
the most fulfilling aspect of ministry is the lives of people that are impacted and the change that you see in them. And then uh, for me, it's even in the secondary lives changed, and that is the changed lives that result from the people that I'm influencing. You know, this came into focus for me the first year that I was the president of Gateway. When I uh, got to the end of that first year, we came to graduation. And, uh, you know, graduation is a, is a big ceremony, and, and uh, frankly, you know, it's kind of a hassle sometimes. And you think, man, I, you know, people always ask me, oh, I guess you have to go to graduation. And frankly, that, that was a little bit of my attitude. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, we got to do this, got to get through it, got to pull it off, got to make it work, got to have it be meaningful, you know, all that kind of thing. So I go to my first graduation, and, uh, and I'm standing in the hallway, and a person comes walking in, uh, you know, with a coat and tie on, like they're going to be one of the people in the audience. And uh, and it was a little bit unusual because this person was the director of facilities at the seminary. And he didn't wear a coat and tie to work. You know, he, he wore uh, work clothes to work every day. And, and, uh, and it was just a little startling to see him in that, that different attire and coming in in that different location. And so I, I stopped him and I said, hey, uh, thanks for coming to graduation. He goes, sure. And I said, I, I guess I'm a little surprised, you know, to, to see you here. And he goes, why would you be surprised? I said, oh, I don't know. I said, do you have some students that worked for you or some people that you know particularly that you've come to support in their graduation? He goes, no. I said, oh, okay, so, so you just want to come. And he said, yeah. And he was looking at me like I had kind of grown a third eyeball or something, like I was like from a different planet. You know, he's looking at me kind of funny, and he said, I thought this was kind of the point. I said, what, what do you mean? He goes, do you think I fix broken toilets and climb around on leaky roofs and deal with contractors who don't fulfill their responsibility and have to be hammered on to get their work done? You, you think I do all that because that's all that fulfilling? He said, man, the only reason I do that is because of this. And he pointed into the auditorium. He goes, this is why we do it. If we don't have this, it doesn't matter. And I thought, man, God, I needed to hear that. Graduation is the symbol of changed lives. And if we don't keep our focus on that, then what is the point? You know, it's so easy in ministry to get caught up in so many other things. You think, man, I've got to get the building finished, or man, I've got to get the lawn motor. Man, I've got to get somebody to take care of the preschooler. Man, I've got to get somebody to teach vacation Bible school. I've got to get somebody to do this. I've got to get somebody to do that. I've got to take care of this issue. I've got to take care of that issue. I've got to put out this fire. I've got to tend to this, tend to this problem. And it's easy to forget that what we're really about is change lives. And so um, the myth is that you're going to find satisfaction in fulfilling or meeting all these difficulties and overcoming all of them. You're never going to find satisfaction there because you're never going to get that done. The reality is you have to find satisfaction in ministry by focusing on the lives that are being changed and never losing sight of that. You know, when I get frustrated here at the seminary, I sometimes just walk down the hall and look in a classroom, and I see students... Uh, man, I get a little emotional just talking about it. I, I see students, and I see a professor up there teaching with energy and vitality. And I see students soaking it up and, 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 and letting it process in their minds, and I can see them thinking about how that's going to change some of their perspective. And I look at that, and I realize and that's why I'm doing here. I'm not here to build buildings, and I'm not here to deal with legal problems, and I'm not here to solve insurance c complaints, and I'm not here to 
to uh, figure out investment plans. I, I have to do all that, and that stuff drives me crazy every single day. But what I'm really here for is change lives, seeing students being transformed. And then what really makes my heart sing even more is when I hear a student talk about what they're doing in their ministry and how lives are being changed there and knowing that we had a little part in helping make that happen. So the myth is that you're going to draw satisfaction or fulfillment from solving ministry difficulties or ministry problems or that you're going to someday get them all resolved and have a happy and wonderful ministry opportunity and setting. That's simply a myth. The reality is, while all that's going on, you have to keep your perspective that what you're really focusing on is changed lives. And in the context of all the difficulty and challenges and hardships that go on, we just keep our focus there and realize that as long as lives are being changed, we are fulfilled. And that's what makes the difference. You know, Paul said that at the end of this same passage. He said in verse 13, this is why we constantly thank God. Because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. In other words, it changes you. It makes you different. And he goes on to write, for you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus. In other words, you became like other Christians we had previously worked with. We saw the transformation take place, and that made it all worthwhile. Well, ministry has some difficulty, challenge, and hardship. There's myths that go along with that. The first myth is you can f- that something's wrong if you're in a difficult, challenging spot. Nothing wrong at all. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with your setting. Another myth is that ministry difficulties can be resolved and that because ministry is difficult, there's not any joy or satisfaction associated with it. That's just a myth. Ministry is like parenting. It has some good days and bad days, but we keep at the task over the long haul because we know ultimately we're going to see the results we need. Then another ministry myth is you'll you'll be satisfied when you get all the problems solved. You'll never get all the problems solved. The truth is you should be satisfied when you see the changed lives resulting from your perseverance through the hard, difficult, challenging times of ministry. Keep your focus on changed lives. I hope this podcast encourages you. Uh, don't let it get you down that you're facing some, some difficult times. Uh, every ministry does. Every ministry leader uh, deals with it. You can make it through, and it's all a part of what it means to lead on.